First of all, I want you to look here. We're going to look at, uh, at some scriptures in 1 Timothy and uh, just poke around in the Word a little bit. I want to, uh, it's being Father's Day, Happy Father's Day, by the way, to, to those who are joining us. And if you haven't received a Happy Father's Day greeting, I, I'm greeting you now and <laughs> saying that. We thank God for godly fathers. We pray for ungodly fathers, <laughs> but uh, the Bible, you know, the Bible, I, I'm kind of catching on to the end of of uh, Pastor Scarlett's message this morning about the word honor. And do you know that even if, even if you feel like that your father or your mother or people in your life were not honorable, you can, you don't have to join them in the not honorable department. You can be honorable. And like we used to say, that you honor the office. Amen. And you know that even in a church setting, there's something about that, that there are, there's sometimes people that maybe they just don't agree with the pastor on a particular issue or whatever. And, uh, or maybe there's just something that he did or said that rubbed them wrong. But you know, there's, you can tell the difference in people that have honor and those that don't. Just in any, any position that needs to be honored, um, you can disagree and yet remain agreeable. Amen. You can say, well, I just don't, I don't think that's the way to do that or I wish he wouldn't have said that or whatever. I mean, listen, I was listening to the speech that President Trump gave in Tulsa yesterday and, uh, I, you know, he, he used a few choice words that, you know, the president maybe would seem more presidential if he didn't just cuss like a sailor from the podium. But yet, you know, I mean, I didn't disagree with his sentiment, but just the way he put it was a little rough. And I'm thinking, especially in Tulsa, I'm thinking, I, I think there's charismatics there that probably passed out right in the chair. You know, hadn't heard anybody use words like that in years. But um <laughs> we bind that in the name of Jesus. I can see it right now. But um I just think that, you know, even if even if the person or the position that we're honoring uh is dishonorable, we can still honor that that their office and honor their position. And I'm afraid that we've grown up a a youth culture that knows nothing about that. You know, and um, it's always been there. I mean, I remember the the riots of uh, the late 60s and the photographs of the young people with a, a obscene gesture right in the face of the National Guard and that kind of thing. I mean, how many remember that and seeing those things? Of course, the difference in those days and now the National Guard would actually shoot you, but... Uh, God forbid that happens. We would have a civil war if one person got shot in all this from, from the government side. But, you know, it's just like with the police department. Even, even if, even if there are some police officers that behave in a way that's dishonorable, you still honor their place in culture. And Paul tells us to do this in Romans. In Romans 13, he talks about honoring the government. And I love what 
Pastor Scarlett shared about that man uh, who had a government position uh, in in uh, Panama City, and that when her father was praying about him or whatever, was told, "You you you show respect even if he doesn't." And there's just something about that, isn't there? That is just right. It's a right thing to do. Amen. And, uh, so, uh, there's been men in office in the government and so forth. And we're talking about fathers today, but this kind of goes along with it. There's been men in office that I didn't particularly like, but I tried to be careful <laughs> what I said about it. Amen. I could say, well, I don't agree with that policy or that decision or that attitude, but I still honor the office. And, uh, I remember, well, you know, I mean, I don't make any bones about it. it our president was Barack Obama and I, I wasn't thrilled with, with him. But uh, if you'll remember that, uh, Cherie went to, some of you remember Cherie went to, Jane invited her to a, a thing and, breakfast with the president at the White House, and she went to it, and some of some of our charismatic, you know, full gospel friends, when they saw the photograph, said, you went and had breakfast with President Obama, you know, uh, you know, he's not been a friend of the church, and he's not whatever, and Cherie's answer was, well, he's the president, and so this was how we were brought up. I mean, even if the president is not wasn't our choice. Currently, he's sitting in that office, and so we give honor and respect. And I got on the other side of the fence, I got the same kind of criticism when, when I was with President Trump on Memorial Day a couple of years ago, you'll remember, and I was there with him and talking to him, and the news was covering it on Fox the whole time. And I had some family members that weren't happy with me because I was with him. They said, we don't like him. What are you doing hobnobbing with them? I said, I wasn't hobnobbing. I was, they were honoring our son at this event and then wanted to talk, you know, and the president, whether you agree or not, you know, to, to just be hateful about it is just not, especially Christians, we should be leading the way on this honor business. So I'm kind of borrowing your theme. And I can do that. We're married in everything. All right. I want you to look. Uh, we're going to get over to Second Timothy, which is the theme of spiritual fathers. So we know about our own father and a lot of good things that can, that we need to, to, uh, show respect and honor to. Uh, look at, uh, we'll just work our way through this. Look at 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1. Now, he, so this whole thing, this whole letter from Paul to Timothy is as a loving mentor, a father in the faith, a spiritual father. I'm grateful for the spiritual fathers that I had in my life. It's helped build me to what I am in ministry today. And of course, starting with my own, uh, actual father, uh, he was my first mentor in life, amen, and showing me the ropes, <laughs> how, how to survive in school and how to survive 
kindergarten and first grade and all through and how to treat women and, and, uh, those things. Amen. How to treat an automobile, how to treat, uh, a home, uh, how, how, how to be frugal and, and all the great things that fathers can teach their children. Amen. And, uh, and then also just, uh, in ministry then, I mean, everything, everything, so much of what I rely on now for, for ministry wisdom, so much of it comes from growing up with my mo- mother and father in the church and watching them and learning from them. Amen. And I'm grateful and thankful for that. I had a father in the faith very close to uh, Kenneth Hagan. And, uh, I'm so grateful to, to, to this day for the mentoring and the, um, the fathering that he gave to me. Amen. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm using so much of that all the time and, uh, what it meant. So I get this relationship between Paul and Timothy. I get it. Uh, brother Norval was a great influence on my life and then others, many other preachers, but I thank God for this idea. And I believe it's a God idea. I don't want everybody shout at once. We don't want any chaos. Um, so the theme, however, I think for any relationship to survive, whether it's a natural father and son, father, daughter, uh, any, any, uh, spiritual relationship, there has to be respect, mutual respect and honor. Amen. And so if you look at first Timothy two, uh, you see this theme here, uh, Paul said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. So not is, I've heard people say, well, I'm praying for our president. I don't like him, but I'm praying. Well, it's more than just prayer. You've got to go all the way to intercession and then giving of thanks for them. That's a toughie when you don't like them. Now, if Joe Biden gets elected president, I'm going to have to really put this one up on the wall and just obey it with no feeling. Because I don't like him. And I can say that now because the Johnson Amendment got blocked. Praise God. So I could put, I could put a banner behind, you know, up on the church. Uh, I won't because I don't want like graffiti on the wall, but you know, and I don't like to, I don't like to influence in that way, but I, I, yeah, I'm just being honest that I understand how difficult this scripture is at times, right? Or if you don't like the governor, or you don't like the mayor, it's difficult to give thanks for people you don't like. It's easy for us to give thanks for people we like, but ones we don't like, it's a little more of a challenge. Come on. Don't look at me in that tone like you just got off the glory bus. Whatever do you mean, Pastor? Come on. We all struggle with this one, don't we? And I hope I don't have to eat my words, but I probably will anyway. Who knows? For kings and for all that are in authority. All, how many? All that are in authority. Uh, why? 
that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. That would include kings and uh, people of authority. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Praise God. So that would be one way you could pray for a king, a captain, somebody with authority. You could pray that they would be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Now, this is not something that your emotions might always agree with. Because sometimes you wouldn't be too upset if they didn't get saved and just went to hell. It's you went by how you felt. But we don't go by how we feel, and we're not supposed to tell people to go to hell. We're supposed to point them to heaven. Amen. So if you have to get mad and have a fit, do it, but then come back here and repent and pray and get 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 it straight. Amen. All right. So here we have so much instruction from Paul that I don't have time to do it all tonight. But we have so much great instruction from, again, a loving, mentoring father to a spiritual son in the faith about how behavior should be in, in, in life and in the church. And it's full of honor and it's full of respect. Isn't that beautiful? Um, uh, in, and so, so much of this is in almost every credentialing, um, capacity. You'll see some, so much of this scripture there about if any man, for example, in chapter three, uh, if a man desires the office of a bishop or an overseer, he desires a good work and he talks about being blameless, the husband of one wife, that kind of thing. Amen. And so that means if, you know, if somebody's going to be uh, an adulterer, then they shouldn't, they shouldn't actually be in a position of leadership. It would be great if some preacher sometime before he commits adultery would be honorable enough to tell his wife, I think I'm going to go commit adultery, so therefore let's just break up now so that it's not so devastating. Secondly, resign the church, get out of the ministry, and and get out of sight and shut up before you do all this horrible thing. But no, they wait until the TV cameras are on and then they do it. And, uh, and, and do such havoc and damage. And, uh, I have heard, may I just soapbox on this a minute? I have heard my entire life so much talk, especially in our precious word of faith movement about, well, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance and people make mistakes and they need to be you know, reinstated and all that. That's There's a truth there. But the other truth is that there are requirements for leadership. And nobody wants to talk about anymore that side of it. And it's always walking in love. Well, my question has been for 35, 40 years of ministry, who's walking in love towards the congregation? Who's walking in love towards the wife of some joker that has you know, been uh, abused and used and misused. Who's walking in love towards them? They seem to get pushed by the wayside 
and all this pity pours out on the on the guy that's made a mistake. I told you it was in a soapbox. Probably ran the anointing right out of the building. But uh, is anybody with me on this? I mean, yeah, there's there's forgiveness, and I believe that there needs to be restoration. People don't need to be kicked aside, you know, at the most vulnerable time of their life. But there also has to be the other side, amen, of, uh, I, I do thank God, you know, in its current form, not always in the past, but in the current form, I do thank God for the assemblies of God and the church of God currently and how they handle some of that. Because they say, well, yeah, we're all for restoration, but right now, buddy, you're out of the pulpit for at least two years. We're going to see how you do. <laughs> And that's scriptural. That is not being mean or harsh. Well, now we've got a situations where we've got leaders who will say to a guy in the middle of, of, uh, of an ungodly life, isn't it about time you, you know, preach again or whatever? And it's like, well, not until they straighten up, you know, don't, don't get, I, I'm sorry, but you know, we, I, I know all kind of people who are fantastic singers and musicians and other things, but they're living for the devil. They're in the church living like the devil. And then, you know, they're supposed to be like, we're supposed to just say, oh, it doesn't matter. And, um, I don't, there's a balance there somewhere. I know I'm not sure I've found it, but I'll tell you, I just kind of wince at folks that are, are, uh, okay. Nobody wants to hear this. I'll just shut up. But, um, Paul is very bold about it. For example, I, I, I'm not going to shut up about it. I don't know. I think it works. It's, again, it's, the father to a son. It's good advice, right? If it wasn't in the, if, when, if we weren't supposed to know about it, it wouldn't be in the Bible. First Timothy three, look at what he says about all those things. He says, for if a man know not how to take, to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice lest being lifted up with pride, he falls into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, for he let, uh, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, that's enough right there. You think about it. So if we, if we weaken this safety net here, what am I on this for? If we weaken this safety net here about these things, um, we've actually, we're actually doing the minister harm because it says, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. We don't want to be guilty of setting the trap. And so, how many, how many would like to have an airline pilot 
who uh, just was the good old boy system. Oh, I, I know you don't know how to stop this 747, but you, you're a good old boy, and we love your family, so therefore you're going to fly anyway. Would you want him flying your plane? Why would we want somebody like that leading the church? It doesn't make sense, does it? And so in the name of, see, and everything that gets in a ditch, in the name of walking in love, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll want to, we, we become enablers of a situation that should, should have never happened. <sighs> okay, David, shut up. Nobody wants that. The truth is, <laughs> <laughs> See, they know me. The problem. The truth is, if you got up at most ministers' conference and read those verses, half the place would have to resign. <laughs> That's why it ain't popular. No, let's just, just find another verse. It did so many good verses in the Bible. <laughs> Woo! All right. Now we go more. This gets worse before it gets better. Look at, look at, uh, chapter five of first Timothy, verse one. Here we have some behavior, uh, tips from <laughs> the apostle Paul. <laughs> Rebuke not an elder. Wow. How about that for today? Cool. Not the way I was brought up on this, you know, you, even if old brother so-and-so and old sister so-and-so was wrong in the church, my mother, I can hear her telling me, you know, if I got a little snippy or a little attitude, how many know that, you know, 17 year olds can get an attitude? I get a little attitude. She'd say, you don't talk to them like that. And I'd say, well, you know, they, I don't like what they said. She says, I don't care. They're an elder and you don't rebuke elders. She says, you don't rebuke elders even if they're wrong. You don't rebuke them. Isn't that something? You just, uh, you work around it some way, but you don't. And boy, have we got, have we got a generation now that'll just talk any old way to anybody? It's just an amazing thing, isn't it? Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And the younger men as brethren. The elder women as mothers. This is the way the church should look. The younger as sisters with all purity. Uh, honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widows have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and require and requite their, their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. And then he goes on about, you know, rules for widows and marriage and things. Anyway, I just wanted you to see that the tone of that in this letter 
again, from a, a loving father in the faith to his son in the faith on how the church should run. This is the way the home should look. This is the way the church should look. Amen? The church house, in so many circles, has been the place of much hurt feelings. Uh, amen? Uh, it's been a place of division. It's been a place of of uh, carelessness. And it shouldn't be. The church should lead the way. And the example, amen, on love, that love doesn't mean just anything goes and everybody takes a ticket for the microphone and all that. That's not walking in love because there's no leadership there. But just in behavior, amen, and, 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 and how to answer folks. And my dad used to tell me, I was telling Scarlett this the other, the other day, driving home from the panhandle. That, um, my dad used to say, you know, you catch a lot more flies with honey than you will vinegar. <laughs> and that is the truth, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, in other words, you'll, you'll attract more folks unto you. You'll, you'll, you'll be somebody folks want to see. It's not a good thing if you enter a room and everybody turns their back on you and kind of huddles in the corner. There's something wrong there. Which, when you walk in the room, you want folks to come and greet you and hug you and smile at you and glad to see you and how are you doing? Amen? So if we practice this, and we do in this church, but it just bears repeating, amen? We practice this, there's rich reward for it. Brother Hagen used to say, you never go wrong erring on the side of love. Give everybody possible a break. Give everybody possible the benefit of doubt. Even if you hear something directly that you thought was disrespectful towards you, oftentimes I've thought, well, maybe I heard it wrong. Knowing deep inside I didn't hear it wrong, but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt anyway. Well, maybe I heard it wrong. Well, maybe that's not what they meant. Surely that's not what they meant. What's wrong with that? What have you got to lose? Amen. There was a preacher that I had kind of fallen out with. We'd fallen out with each other over some doctrine. And I decided one day I'm just going to haul off and go see this guy. And uh, and I did and I fixed it. Amen. Holy Spirit fixed it. And it had been, I mean, it was pretty, it was like a war. And I, and I thought, well, I'm going to go in. And lay down my weapons, what I've got. And I've, to this day, felt like I was the one right. Well, who cares? You can be right and be by yourself in a corner, you know, on a Baptist Sunday school chair. On your little square room downstairs. By the room that the pump leaks or something, you know. And be, be, well, I'm right. I'm right. You ever felt like that? Well, I'm right. Well, you can be right and be all alone, too. And you can be right and you get wrong declaring how right you are. (laughs) Well, I knew I was right. I'm still right. Actually, he was wrong. But (laughs) I went and fixed it. 
And I'm so happy I did. Because it opened up a world of fellowship. And it's just better, isn't it? What an excellent thing for brethren to walk in love towards each other. And to show honor. And for this particular man, uh, it was a position that I needed to show honor to. And well, do you, are, do you now agree with everything he does and says? No, but I, but it was right that I showed honor to that position and a position in my life. Amen. Praise God. Well, so now if this guy kicks off and goes to heaven, I don't have to feel bad. I don't have to go, well, man, I really should have and could have and would have and, you know, all that regret. It's just better to fix it. Somebody said, well, why would you? I said, what have I got to lose? If I went up there and he cussed me out and kicked me, you know, in the seat of the pants. Well, that's on him. That's not, it's not on me. Amen. What have I got to lose? I got another pair of pants. I can put those on. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm walking in prosperity. I got more than one pair of pants. Hallelujah. Who cares? So often we pet ourselves and pet our feelings. So, I don't know if Timothy had problems or tendencies or whatever, but Paul certainly gave him some pretty good instruction. Well, if it's good for Timothy, it's good for David. Maybe I'm not preaching to anybody but myself. I probably need it. There's this girl at Ramah. Y'all, some of y'all know this story. This girl at Ramah. She stood up in prayer school. She got excited testimony time. She said, I'll tell you what. She says, I was in my apartment. I got so anointed. I laid hands on myself and fell out under the power. <laughs> well, that's powerful, isn't it? You knock yourself out. But sometimes I need to preach to me. Sometimes the, sometimes the, the best sermons I've preached, people tell me that they didn't know is like, he said, man, you had so much passion. You were on fire. That was so great. And I'm thinking, well, that's because I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> I've tried to straighten me out. <laughs> and that's when it becomes, um, you know, uh, more hot. <laughs> Second Timothy and, uh, I want you to hear the tone of this again, spiritual fathers. Such good things. Second Timothy chapter one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy. Now look at, listen at the language of this. I love this. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience and without ceasing. I have remembered remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. So a real father in the faith will pray for his spiritual sons. Now, there's some weird thing going on. It's been going on for a few years now of these guys that declare themselves spiritual fathers. Then they tell their sons, you know, all this pledge of allegiance they want. 
Some of them have even charged entry fees to be an official son. You have to bring them so much money, and then you get the code to the back room door, you know. It's the truth. And uh, those things always end up weird and end up bad. Uh, I believe that a real spiritual uh, spiritual parent and spiritual child relationship develops naturally, is organic, and God-arranged. I'll tell you something about Brother Hagen, where I was concerned, uh, you know, and I know it's true for everybody. He never demanded anything from any of us. And so that makes you want, makes you, would make you want to do more. Instead of, you didn't pay your, this isn't, this isn't the mafia. Right. You know, where, you know, you got to bring the Godfather tribute money or you're dead, you know. I mean, this isn't like that. And, and when you make it like that, that's when it, it's not, it's no longer in scripture. Now you're off into some, actually it's the beginnings of a cult, to be honest. It's the beginnings of a cult. If you ever go to a meeting like that and they serve Kool-Aid, don't drink it. Do you have any other, do you have any Cokes that haven't been opened? Because I don't really like Kool-Aid. Greatly desiring to see you. Being mindful of thy tears that I may be Filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned, which means not plasticoded, not faked, not just some religious air, it that is in thee, that's the kind of faith we want, isn't it? Unfeigned faith. Just real, authentic, untouched, unretouched. <laughs> We don't want it airbrushed like the cover girl on the magazine. Amen. Unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois. That was my grandmother's name, Lois. She's in the Bible. And thy mother Eunice. My mother's name is not Eunice. Thank God. And I am persuaded that it is in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance. Now, this is the other thing I want to show you about a spiritual father, is they'll see what's in the, the son or daughter, spiritual son or daughter. They'll see that, and they'll see this, they see beyond the surface. Brother Hagen, in my story, he was always telling me uh, and reaffirming my call, my anointing, my office that I stood in, amen, and was uh, would see past, you know, I mean, I was a kid, but see past my immaturity, see past my flesh, see past a lot of things to say, I see the faith that's in you. I see the good that's in you. Where others were saying, get rid of him. <laughs> He's bad. Brother Hagin stood by me. I appreciated that. Wherefore, now this is the good part. Is this making any sense tonight? 
Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee. Now, if you don't believe in the laying on of hands for the purpose of uh, transferring some things, then you can get an exacto knife and take this scripture out. But here it is, the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. So, you know, when we call people forth for uh, licensing and ordaining and or just a word from the Lord in a way, and we lay hands on them and we, you know, send them forth and it's, it's a serious thing. It's, it's solemn. Amen. I was standing when, when I, when they laid hands on me and, and why mama for the, for the, um, bishop, um, ordination. I had a guy. <laughs> I had a guy standing next to me, and I don't know if I should tell this or not, but I think I will. I had a guy standing next to me, and he said, just kind of under his breath, he's a friend of mine, he says, I'm going for archbishop next. You know, there's there's not any archbishop, but he says, I'm going for archbishop after this. Under my breath, I leaned back and I said, what day were you circumcised on? You know, Paul said he was circumcised on the eighth day. I said, what day were you circumcised on? He goes, I don't know. I said, you don't qualify. It doesn't work. You better just be happy with this and shut up. It's okay to have a sense of humor. But overall, we need to honor and respect these things. Amen? Because they're callings of God. They're not made up. They're in the Bible. And then it's interesting that he says in verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. And he goes on and on and gives some other words and talks about things and so forth. He shares with him some intimate details of those who have betrayed him and names their names. How horrible to have to be the person that got named in the Bible eternally as the person who betrayed the Apostle Paul. But what that shows me is that Paul's relationship with not only Timothy but others was as a loving father. And I believe down through the ages, as that spirit of mentoring and fathering has come forth, that um, it's 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 still alive and it's still we're still benefiting from it. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. I know Pastor Scarlett has ministers, uh, Brother Hagan, one of them, Pat Harrison, and others that um, you know have spoken into her life. And it's just made a difference, hasn't it, I think, in, in all of us. So we thank God for that.